you're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jensen. We're starting a new series today on the book of Acts, and I'm really excited about this. Um, Every Sunday before our 9.30 service and our 7 o'clock service, we have what we call a team rally. And we get all of our pastors and leaders and volunteers for the day together, and we just talk a little bit, we pray a little bit, but one of the things we do is we kind of get to know each other through some questions. And I want to ask some questions here, okay? And so I need everybody in on this, all right? And so I need you to raise your hand if you are a clear lights on the Christmas tree kind of person. Just raise your hand real quick, all right? If you're the colored lights, go ahead and raise your hand, okay? So about half of you never raised your hand, so what's the problem here, okay? Like, you got to be one or the other, okay? All right, next one. Let's all play along, everybody. All right, skydive. Yes, I would skydive. Let's see. Who would skydive? Okay. Who would not? Absolutely not. No skydiving. Okay. If you enjoy meals better than snacks, raise your hand. Meals. I just want a good meal, man. All right, if you're a snacker, raise your hand. You want to snack all day. So my grandfather would eat dessert before dinner, and he lived to 98 years old, okay? So just letting you know, that is the secret. If you are a beach person rather than a pool person, raise your hand. If you're a pool person, raise your hand on up, okay? And lastly, if you'd rather watch the movie than read the book, rather watch the movie, and then go ahead opposite if you'd rather read the book. Okay, cool. So we're jumping into this book of the Bible called Acts. Uh, For those of you guys who are movie people, my prayer is is that we talk through this book of Acts, that it'll come to life for you. I know a lot of the book reading people, it's like, oh, I read the book and I just visualize it and I see it and it just comes to life. And my prayer is, no matter who you are, that it's going to come to life for you here. So everybody say Acts. Acts is this book study that we're going to be in for a while. We're going to learn a whole lot about a lot of different topics because the book of Acts goes there. We're going to read some amazing stories, and I pray that we're all going to grow, not only in our knowledge, but also in our relationship with God. And today, as we look at chapter one, we're going to answer a few questions. The first question is this, can I really trust what the Bible has to say about Jesus? Can I actually believe? I mean, that's a big claim. Jesus died and he rose back from the dead. Can I actually trust that? The second question we're going to look at today is, why should I want the Holy Spirit in my life and what does he do? And so we're going to talk about that. The third question is, do I have to do a whole lot of weird stuff to get the Holy Spirit's attention? The fourth question is, what should the church be focused on? You know, the church can get... Our, our energies into all kinds of different things, can't we at times? And sometimes we get sidetracked with stuff. Sometimes we get into one thing or another. Sometimes we're in a good place. And sometimes, honestly, the church at large can get into some really distracted modes. And so what's the church right now supposed to be focusing on? And then lastly, what should I be focusing on just personally? Isn't it easy to get distracted I think one of the things that distracts us sometimes in our relationship with God is we start to tell God all the things he should be fixing that he's not fixing, right? And I think sometimes all of our focus goes there, and then we miss out on the things he does want us to be focusing on and the things he does want to do. And so we're going to kind of see, and again, I'm not just making this stuff up. Like, wouldn't it be cool to ask all these questions? This is where the first chapter of Acts takes us today. And this is just such important stuff to talk about because it really makes or breaks our faith It helps connect us to the Holy Spirit. It keeps us from getting off in those side trails, those circles that we can sometimes find ourselves in, those endless cycles of of just being off topic. And it also is going to lead us to a place where we can make an impact for Jesus and see a bunch of people come to know him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray that today you will have some questions answered 
that you'll realize that maybe the stuff that is said about Jesus can be taken seriously and you can put your trust in him. If you are a follower of Jesus, I pray that your assurance of God would run deep. I pray that your desire for the Holy Spirit would intensify. And I pray we'd all be focused on what God would have us as a church be focused on. So let me talk real quick to some of the elementary, middle school, high school students in the room. You know, at your age, wouldn't it be amazing to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you can trust Jesus? And wouldn't it be amazing at your age to know what you're supposed to be focused on, like what your life's about? Well, we're going to see that here today. And so let's dive into a few questions. The first question might be, well, why is it called Acts? It's called Acts because the book of Acts is about the acts or actions of the Holy Spirit and the church in the first century. Who wrote the book of Acts? Everybody say Luke. All right, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he was a friend, physician, and missionary along with Paul. He also wrote the, the gospel of Luke, where he records the events of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And then the question, of course, is why did he write it? Well, there's lots of reasons, but let me give you a few. Everybody say history. All right, you guys got to get better with this today. Come on, what's that? We got 40 women on the women's tree. We can't speak out in church anymore. Come on, let's go, right? We need some, we need some heart in this today. So everybody say history. All right, there it was. So history. Luke was writing history. He was writing down what he saw so that people could then know what had happened in that first century. So there's a whole historical aspect to the book of Acts. Everybody say theology. theology. All right, so theology is the study of God. And so God's plans and purposes in that early church are on Luke's heart. Everybody say apologetics. A definition of apologetics is a reasoned argument written in defense of a doctrine, okay? So there are times that Luke says some things that are really important because he's wanting to make sure that as we look back, we're able to say, yeah, this is true. This is real, right? Luke took this really seriously. In fact, he was known as a first-rate historian in the first century. He also took a lot of pain to make sure to mention names of rulers and places and archaeological uh, significance that would then help us look back and say, wow, we can really trust what he's having to say. All right, the last thing I'm going to have you say is example. Say example. He wanted this Acts church to be an example to us. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we have a lot to learn from this Acts church. And so we're going to dig in here. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. He says this, in my former book, Theophilus. If you're looking for a baby name, right there. There it is. I just helped you so much. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. So Luke right from the beginning of the book of Acts, is trying to tell us something. I'm really careful about what I'm saying here. I really put my heart in, my research in, to make sure I'm bringing you something that you can actually trust in and believe in. In fact, I want to prove to you how much this mattered to Luke. So I know this is a series on the book of Acts, but look at what it says in Luke 1.3. It says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated, say carefully investigated, Luke looked into it. He carefully investigated everything from the beginning, everything having to do with Jesus. He arrived to the party a little late, so he wanted to make sure everything that he would report was accurate. And so he went back to eyewitnesses. He went back to his buddies that were there and saw the risen Savior and all those things. He carefully investigated, and he says, I decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Luke wants us to be sure about what we believe. He wants us to take it seriously. So first question, can we take the Bible seriously? Can we take what it says about Jesus seriously? The answer is yes. Luke wasn't messing around. He was going to go travel the world, suffer persecution, 
And he was going to make sure that what he was saying was true. I've told you in the past that in my own life, as I began to navigate this journey toward being a pastor, man, I went through some painstaking effort. I can't say I did all that Luke did, but I, I looked into everything to make sure that I could stand up here every week and tell you that this can be trusted. Because I have to believe it first, right? If it's not real for me, how can I tell anybody else it's real? And so this is really important, what Luke did. And, and I just want you to know that we have the same conviction here. It goes on in verse 3. After his suffering, after Jesus' suffering, he presented, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I love this. We so badly need convincing proofs that Jesus was alive. Everybody say Tecmerion. All right, you guys did pretty well with that. Tecmerion is not Elon Musk's new uh, tech startup, okay, although it's not a bad name. Uh, now one of you guys is going to steal this word, and you're going to start your own tech thing, and you're going to make billions, and all I ask is take me to Chick-fil-A once in a while, and we'll call it even, all right? It's also a good name for a prog rock man, by the way, Tecmerion. That's right, it's like right there, okay? But Tecmerion is a Greek word. It's the only time in the whole Bible this word is used, and it means proof. It means that which causes something to be known in a convincing and decisive manner. Proof. Jesus gave many Tecmerions, proofs that he was alive. I love that. I love that Luke is, is carefully investigating. It's not just, oh, just believe. No, he has history and apologetics and all this stuff dialed in so that, yes, we should believe, of course, but, but it's more than that. It's, there's some substance to this. You can sink your teeth into these truths. There are many proofs. Some of us here in the room just need to say, God, I need some proof that you're there. Jesus, just show me. You know, all throughout the scripture, we see God being merciful and gracious and patient with people who just needed a little bit of proof, needed some evidence that they could take God at his word. He's so gracious and good to us like that. It goes on. He, Jesus, appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So it wasn't like one moment Jesus just gave them some proof. It was a 40-day period where he was showing up, spending time with them, eating with them, talking with them. It was real physical Jesus there. It says this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them. So this wasn't like a group hallucination. This wasn't like a visionary thing that they saw in a spiritual realm. No, Jesus was pounding some nuggets and fries and Diet Coke there, right? And they were seeing physical Jesus eat this food in their presence. And then he says this, okay? So we've seen some proof. So if you're here today going... I don't know if I could take what the Bible says about Jesus seriously. I just gave you kind of a zoomed-in shot at that, and we're going to spend some more time on it next week because that's where Acts 2 goes. Look at what it says next because we start to transition to the part about the Holy Spirit. Why do I want the Holy Spirit in my life, and what does he do? Look what it says. He gave them this command. So he's proven he's alive. It's really him back from the dead. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water. Thank you very much, Anna. There we go. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Church, somebody's got to say amen after I say this. We really need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, we got to it. We so badly need it because we see it all throughout the book of Acts and the New Testament. And so why should I want the Holy Spirit in my life and what does he do? Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity in the very presence of God work in our lives. Now, I say this, I feel like I say this every week, and I don't apologize for it because it's so important to know. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was placed on certain people for a limited time for a certain task. But in the, in the New Testament, in the time we live in now, right, the post-resurrection days, now 
The Holy Spirit is in us wherever we go, whatever we do. How powerful, right? So why do I want the Holy Spirit in my life? Well, because the Holy Spirit guides us. Anybody in the room need some guidance? Parents in the room need some guidance? Singles in the room, what do I do with my life? Where am I going? Who am I doing this with? How do I heal from a broken relationship? Right? There's so many different ways we need guidance. The Holy Spirit convicts us, okay? That is very different than condemns us, by the way. God never condemns you. Jesus was condemned in our place so that we would never be. Condemnation says you're a failure, you're worth nothing, you've finally gone past that line and there's no point of return for you. And conviction says, right? Here's how you know if the Holy Spirit's convicting you. The conviction says you're loved and there's a better way. This sin in your life is broken and it's going to lead you to broken places. And so you begin to see God spotlight some areas in your life that are going to lead to brokenness and ruin. And he, he lovingly but powerfully and passionately is fighting for you and I to have this close relationship with him. The Holy Spirit empowers us. We'll see that today. And next week, the Holy Spirit comforts us and the Holy Spirit helps us. Does anybody remember when Jesus was telling the disciples the Holy Spirit was coming, what he called the Holy Spirit? He said the blank is coming, the what? Yeah, okay. The helper, the helper, right? The helper is coming. I don't know about you, but if Jesus tells me that a helper is coming for me, I want that helper, right? And if I then find out that that helper is his very presence in my life, I want that helper. What's the helper going to do? All kinds of things, like I just mentioned. But, but even the change in our life comes from him, right? When, when we see a situation, the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, hey, let that go. Drop that. It's going to take you to bad places. He doesn't just say, go do that. He says, my Holy Spirit's in your life to do that. And so partner with him. You know, uh, my dad, pretty big, tough dude, and there's been times in my life he said, Doug, come help me lift this. And I'm always like, oh, no, that's bad because my dad's a big, tough dude, and if it's that big, then he needs help, and that's not good because he's a big dude, and he could lift most things. But he says, come help me lift this. And, and every son here in the room that had a big dad dude knows that they carried 99% of it, and you were just basically doing this, right? Like, I got my end, dad, right? I got it. And guys, that is what we often say about the Holy Spirit here. He does the heavy lifting. Like, I'm in on it. I'm partnering with you, Lord. I'm connected to you. But you do the heavy lifting. And so I hope today that just whets your appetite. Again, more on this next week, but it whets your appetite on what the Holy Spirit wants to be doing in your life and how important it is that we take the Holy Spirit seriously. Now, some of us, not all of us, but some of us back away from this whole topic because we get a little weirded out. And that leads to the third question. Do I have to do a whole lot of weird stuff to get the Holy Spirit's attention? I would say no. And I don't know what you think of when I say Holy Spirit. And one of the things I love about church, and we better get some amens on this in just a minute, I love that we can have different convictions and beliefs about certain things. There are some things that are rock solid, die hard. There's no if, and, or but about it. But there are some things that we can come to church or we can have friendships and be united as churches on Long Island with other churches who believe very differently than we do about this kind of stuff, right? And so I'm going to tell you kind of where I land and where our church kind of lands when it comes to this idea of like the weird stuff that sometimes we see. So maybe when I say Holy Spirit, you think of something you saw on YouTube that kind of weirded you out or something you saw on TV or maybe something you grew up in and you experienced. 
and it made you feel really uncomfortable and weird. Maybe you went to a church once and a, a friend invited you and you're like, that was just strange. I didn't know what was going on in there. And so, you know, I don't know where you, where you come, but, but here's where we kind of come to in this, okay? We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe he wants to be doing some awesome, huge, crazy, big, powerful, wonderful things. But we don't believe you have to do a whole lot of weird things. I'll give you just some very specific examples. I don't think that we all have to be yelling and screaming to get the Holy Spirit's attention. I don't think we have to be falling on the ground to get the Holy Spirit's attention. Now, if the Holy Spirit moved in this place today and we just felt his presence so strong, like Anna talked about. Anna, you set my message up very well today, by the way. Thank you very much. But Anna talked about feeling God's presence. Hello, that's amazing. I've felt the presence of God. And if we were to come to church here today and the, the Holy Spirit just moved in such a way that we all just felt his presence and just sat here and I just shut up and I didn't say a word, what a great day at church. Wow. But I want you to think back to a few weeks ago. We talked about the story of Elijah. And I want you to remember who in that story was yelling and screaming trying to get the attention of their God. It was the prophets of Baal, right? Now listen, we're emotional people, right? So if I go to a baseball game and my guy hits a home run, I'm gonna yell and shout, and sometimes we get excited about God, and it's like, yes, you're awesome and amazing, but don't ever think that you have to concoct something or show a certain level of emotion or do something to a degree that would then finally the Holy Spirit would go, okay, now I see you, now I'll hear you, now I'll respond to you, right? And we saw that the prophets of Baal were not just yelling and screaming, they were cutting themselves to try to get their God's attention. And I pointed out that our God bled for us to get our attention, didn't he? And so the Holy Spirit is amazing, and we just have to get to this place where we go, Holy Spirit, whatever is you, we want, and whatever is not, we drop. Right? Like, whatever is you, I want, and that's my genuine heart. And I think that's what gets the Holy Spirit's attention. It's not a lot of yelling and screaming and all kinds of this. It's just, oh, God, whatever you are, that's what I want. The real thing, that's what I want. Nearness to you, empowerment, comfort, conviction, guidance, leading. God, that's the stuff I want. And again, I love a lot of pastors on this island who would say a very different thing about that. But we can walk together in unity and do the things God's called us to do. But here's what we think the scriptures show, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, that there is freedom in the spirit, but there's freedom within a framework, right? And that framework isn't something that, that, that myself and our pastor staff, we sat around a table and came up with. We think the Bible gives us the framework. I'll just give you an example. Uh, about 12, 13 years ago, there was a group of people that left our church because they just wanted to, when we got together to, to worship and pray and, and hear the word, they wanted to just be able to do whatever they wanted to do. They wanted to be able to yell and scream and roll around the floor. And literally one of them said, Doug, if God tells me to bark like a dog, I'm going to bark like a dog in that church gathering. And I said, God's not going to tell you to bark like a dog, buddy, right? <laughs> what, the, what is the parameter, right? It's that it, we be edified, that we be built up. It's, it, it, Paul has in, in the Corinthians, and we're, we're going for it today, Paul in the Corinthians says it's about the other person in the gathering, right? It's about what's going to happen to them. How are they going to grow? How are they going to know the Lord because of what you're doing? So there's freedom in the spirit, but there's freedom within a framework. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But today I would say maybe the start or maybe the, the continuance of our relationship with the Holy Spirit needs to be just, God, I just want what's you. Holy Spirit, I want what's you. See, it's going to be supernatural. It better be because if it's just natural, I can pull that off right? So I need a supernatural God. We just did a series a few weeks ago, Supernatural God. So I need the Holy Spirit to be more than I am, 
right? And sometimes that will be very different than things I could come up with myself. But I think to get the Holy Spirit's attention, A, he's already in us. But B, I think it's just a genuine longing for just more Holy Spirit of you in my life and more of what you have. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. It goes on, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And here we really transition to the last set of questions, everybody, okay? And so we've seen, yes, we can trust what Jesus, uh, the Bible says about Jesus. Yes, we want the Holy Spirit in our life. We know now some of the things he does. And no, we don't have to get all weird. But fourth, And fifth, really lumped together, what should we focus on as a church and as individuals? Because here's what happened here in this story. Jesus rises back from the dead. Hello, everybody. Incredible. Amazing. And the question the disciples have for him is, are you now going to do politically what we wanted you to do? Did you hear that? It got quiet. Wow. That's what they said. Because they thought the whole thing Jesus was coming to do was to restore Israel overthrow this domineering Roman Empire and set things right. And the question they asked the risen Savior, are you here to do politically what we want you to do? Right? And sometimes we just get caught up in that, don't we? And maybe that's your struggle right now. It's like, I'm so focused on all that's wrong in the world and I'm trying to change it through this politic. Listen, we can and should be involved in politics, but there's a whole other kingdom, everybody. The, amen, the amens all went bye-bye there, okay. There's a whole other kingdom, right? And so here are the disciples saying, do it now, Lord, do it. Change this whole political system. Turn it on its head. And I love that Jesus doesn't say, hey, you shouldn't care about that. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, you shouldn't be passionate about that. He doesn't say that. What does he say? My father has that. He's got his own dates and times for what needs to be done there. And just in a minute, he's gonna tell us what he does want us to focus on. He says, okay, don't, don't get caught up in all that. And, and again, as we come up to another election cycle coming up in the near future, right? Man, church, if we can just continue to say, God, what am I supposed to be focused on? It's okay to be involved in politics. I should be, but that's not my kingdom at the end of the day, right? Jesus died for us, not our political candidate, right? And so we have to just continue to say, Lord, my eyes are on you. I know this makes a lot of us really uncomfortable, but I don't know how else to get through Acts chapter 1 without talking about it, right? We have to be so careful that our allegiances are to the Lord and that we focus on what he has for us. And even let's just take it down to a personal level. Some of you are like, I don't even care about politics. So aren't there things that we sometimes get so distracted with trying to control? I was listening to a podcast recently, and the pastor, he, he asked three great questions. Craig Rochelle, he asked three great questions. I can't say those words. Great questions. The first one is, is it worth trying to control? So I'm trying to control this situation. For the disciples, it was the whole political environment of the first century. But for us, we're just trying to control something. Is it worth trying to control? I'll just give you a stupid example of something I'm trying to control that it is not worth trying to control. So I've really gotten into gardening and making my lawn nice and all this kind of stuff, right? And I do stuff, and then I go out the next day, and it's all eaten all eaten, right? I got deer and rabbit in our neighborhood, and they just come out and eat everything, right? And you're like, oh, the poor deer, the poor deer, don't be. They eat everything I do, okay? I'm like Googling, like, plants and trees that deers don't eat, and they're like in the woods Googling, how can I eat Doug's plants and trees? Like, they don't even care, right? They're just coming for it, okay? 
and I have become the guy, that neighbor, right, that will see a deer or a rabbit and go running out, yelling like a madman in my, like, I'm trying to control the wildlife in my community right now, right? Is it worth my control? No, absolutely not, right? Second question, is it for me to control? Because sometimes it is, right? Oh man, finances are really hard. Well, I can control to a degree. I know, crazy times. I can control to a degree. Maybe don't spend on that, but do on this or, or uh, take some extra hours at the office or whatever. Like, sometimes there are some things for me to control. But then the third question, is it for God alone? Alone to control, not me and him. Is it for God alone to control? And Jesus' answer to the disciples about that whole situation they were seeing in the first century was, that is for my father alone to control. He's got this. And so you sit back. And then he tells them what he wants them focused on. Look at what it says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay? So that word but in the beginning of verse 8 links it to the thought before. It says, don't worry about that stuff you're thinking God needs to do right now. He's on it. But you, here's what I want you focused on. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, I know you want me to fix that, but I want you to receive power from on high and go be my witnesses in this world. I just want to say something today, and I know this isn't popular, and I'm getting stares here as I talk about political stuff, but if every one of us got close to the Holy Spirit and became the witnesses God wanted us to be, we wouldn't even have politics on our radar because the world would already be changed. That's where it starts. That's what's going to do it. Again, I'm going to vote. I'm going to be involved, right? We stand up for injustice, against injustice. I, we do the International Justice Mission Walk because we want the sex trade to end. But that's a Holy Spirit, God-led thing, right? We partner with Soundview Pregnancy because those lives, those babies' lives matter. Yes, we're going to stand up for that. So that's Holy Spirit-led stuff, right? And so we want to be in on all of that. But at the end of the day, it's Christ who is our Savior, our hope, our Redeemer, the Messiah. And if we would like the disciples learn to say, Holy Spirit, come into my life in power and turn me into the kind of witness you want me to be, I'm just telling you, you wouldn't even recognize Long Island anymore. Walk into our schools and our homes and our neighborhoods and our workplaces with that. I'm here to be a witness. What were the disciples witnesses to? They saw Jesus come back from the dead. Some of us have been witnesses to a life change radically. Anna, life changed radically. So proud of you. And she gets to stand up here in front of a few hundred of us today and witness and talk about what God's done in her life. That changes lives, right? And so I hope you're seeing today the power of these words. And I want to just get through a few more verses that we'll read quickly together. Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes. Are you picturing it? Those of you people, it comes to life on the screen or that you read the book. Are you picturing Jesus taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight? They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed, so these are angels, right, in white stood beside them, men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming back for us, amen? And I just think for anybody that had doubts in that moment, I don't know 
if Jesus really can be trusted. I don't know if he's really the Messiah. And here he is floating up into the clouds. I think that one was probably looking at another going, you see that, right? Yeah, I see that too. I think maybe we should take him seriously. Because here he is ascending into heaven. And the last thing Jesus said before he went to heaven was don't worry about the stuff you can't control. Don't get distracted from the mission. Get in touch with the Holy Spirit and let him turn you into my witnesses. Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, of Salus, excuse me, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly. Everybody say constantly. In prayer. They were praying. They were praying. How do I get in touch with the Holy Spirit? How do I get close to the Holy Spirit? How do I hear from the Holy Spirit? They set themselves up by prayer and connectedness with, with the Lord and one another, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And so they wait for God's presence to come. Next week, we'll see what happens when the presence of God does come. And to just summarize the end of the chapter, at one point, 120 of them are gathered, and Peter goes, so to address the elephant in the room, Judas betrayed the Lord, and he's gone now, and we need to choose someone else. And a man named Matthias is chosen as the new apostle. End of chapter 1. What have we seen here today? Again, guys, I didn't start this study thinking, oh, I'm going to talk about these several topics. I had no idea where the first chapter would exactly take me. But we've, I think, just looked at the verses and been faithful to what the Lord has said in these verses. And so can you take what the Bible says about Jesus seriously? Yes. Keep looking into him. Keep exploring. Dig deeper. You'll see more and more that you can trust him. He gave many tickmerions, many proofs that he can be trusted. Why should I want the Holy Spirit in my life? What does he do? I need this comforter. I need this helper. I need this conviction in a good way to protect me from places that I don't belong going because it'll lead to brokenness. I need this empowerment to be the witness God wants me to be. Do I have to do a whole lot of weird stuff? No. Holy Spirit, whatever is you we want, whatever is not, we drop. We just want you. Come with a genuine heart. Holy Spirit, fill me. Some of you are like, well, okay, when did I get filled? Can I get filled again? Can I get more of the Holy Spirit? Do I lose some of the Holy Spirit? How does this happen? How does this work? Next week, we're going to talk about some of that. And what should the church and what should we be focused on? This connection with God so that we become the witnesses he's called us to be. So important. Because imagine living like this. If I could just sum up the first chapter of Acts, it'd just be these four lines. You ready? I know Jesus is alive. His spirit, the helper, is in me. I want to be as close to him as possible to see as many people come to Jesus as possible. That's the first chapter of Acts. I had a friend in college who was known as the worshiper. He'd be in chapel at worship, and at college, and he would just have both of his arms raised up in the air, and he would just be lost in worship. And he wasn't doing anything for a show. It was very genuine and real. And one of my friends just asked him about it one day, like, you just worship in such an incredible way. Like, what's that about? He said, there's just something about knowing that you're loved and forgiven and saved. And I would say something very similar. There's just something about knowing that Jesus is alive, that his spirit is in us, and that we get to go now be witnesses in this world to see as many come to know him as possible. All the stuff we can't control, let's leave it to him. The Father has a time and a way and a plan. And let's 
focus on what God's called us to do and be. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But man, church, let's kind of look like them. Maybe for this week, maybe read through Acts 1 and just let it continue to kick up in your heart. See new things. See things I didn't see and allow God to speak to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this amazing chapter in the scriptures that is so encouraging, God. And we thank you that, God, you have, I pray, spoken to each of us today in a different way. If you're somebody who was struggling with if you could trust the scriptures and what the Bible says about Jesus today, I just would just come to him and just say, God, just give me that proof, Lord, again. May I see the proof in your word and and in my life, in my personal life. For those of you guys who are like, hey, I'd love to take a step toward the Holy Spirit. Maybe today is it's just a genuine heart saying, Spirit of God, whatever is of you, I want. Whatever else, I'll just leave it off. I don't need it. I don't need the show. I don't need the extra stuff. I just want you. So some of us need just to pray today. God, just fill me in a fresh way and help me to be the witness you want me to be. God, just take all the, the fear out of our hearts and God, as a church and as individuals, may we not get sidetracked. May we live for what we're supposed to be living for, God. See your kingdom come, not man's kingdom. Your kingdom come, moving mightily, making the difference. We thank you, God. If anything that we saw in the word of God today hits you, I would just encourage you to pray about it for a minute. And let me just talk to anyone in the room that's not a follower of Jesus. If you want to put your trust in him today, begin this relationship with him and get the spirit of God in your life. I encourage you to just pray with me now. Just something quietly like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving many proofs that we can trust that you're alive. Thank you for being a great savior. Thank you for your patience. As I ask you for proof and evidence of who you are in my life, I thank you that you joyfully give that. I pray today show me how real you are and what it is to follow you. Thank you. Put your Holy Spirit in my life. Do the heavy lifting. Thank you, God.